Lake Ontario laps ashore here in Prince Edward County, a rural peninsula that pushes out into the lake about an hour west of Kingston. It's a place to which Catherine Langlois had a chance visit in 2000, and it was love at first sight. You have the farm and the sheep and the rolling hills and the water in the distance. If you come here and visit us and you live in a city, I give you about 12 hours and that's it. You disconnect it. <laughs> Catherine, who had the opportunity to complete a work stint in the vineyards of Burgundy, France, bought 15 acres near the town of Wellington and went about building what was only the fourth winery in Prince Edward County. That number now tops 40. You know, even myself, when I think back about it, it was like in the movies. I would literally set up a playpen under a tree and I would put my daughter... Uh, and go work in the vineyard until I would hear her scream. Nearly 20 years later, Sandbank's winery is a commercial success with 19 products listed at the LCBO, Ontario's liquor retailer, many of them award-winning. And we have an amazing team. Uh, Everybody's very different in age and background, and somehow uh, it's a very, very tight-knit uh, family. Catherine, who grew up on the south shore of Quebec City, was recognized as the Quinty region's remarkable woman of the year in 2017 for helping to put the region on the map and playing a vital role in boosting the region's economy and its stature as a tourist destination. Stay tuned as host Bonnie Moak sits down with the remarkable and inspiring Catherine Langlois and find out why she hates being the boss and her philosophy on having a healthy work-life balance on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. I'm really excited today because we've traveled to Prince Edward County in our beautiful Wellington where we're meeting with Catherine Langlois, the proprietor of the Sandbanks Estate Winery. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for having us today and joining us for uh, one of our podcast episodes. Thank you for visiting us. Maybe you could tell us a bit about your background and where you're from and how you came to start Sandbanks. Sure. I grew up uh, on the south shore of Quebec City. I'm actually born on an island, which is not that different from here, from Prince Edward County. It's, it definitely has an island feel. Um, I studied in Montreal, uh, hospitality management, and I won a bursary to go work in uh, Burgundy in France. I did that. And uh, then I worked as long as I could, <laughs> uh, but eventually I had to come back to Canada and, uh, or marry a Frenchman, but I decided to come back. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then I, I was hired by uh, Pili Island Winery, which is a large um, Ontario winery, very successful. And I was expecting that I would work in the cellar because that was my background. But because I was bilingual, they needed somebody in sales in Ottawa. And it was quite funny because uh, when you start in this business, you wash a lot of tanks and a lot of equipment. The title winemaker sounds really glamorous, but it, their job is a lot of long hours and cold feet, if you, <laughs> if you ask me. But um, I uh, did sales. And they offered me this position, which I took, and I worked in sales for them for, um, I think it's about 10 years and I came to Prince Edward County, somebody was having a birthday party, and I was invited. Uh, my territory at the time ended in Kingston, so I covered all of Eastern Ontario. And I came to uh, Prince Edward County for the first time in 2000, and immediately fell in love with the place. Yes. I thought that the geography, the water, 
Um, I was really looking forward to go back to living in the country. And uh, at that time, there was land that was not so expensive. And it was just emerging. There was only three wineries planted at that time. Um, and I got a, you know, a loan from Farm Credit Canada for young people that still wanted to farm. I uh, sold my red motorcycle and bought a blue tractor. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people ask if I ever bought that motorcycle again, but I haven't. So not yet. Maybe no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> And I, yeah, so the, I guess the rest is history in one sense. I bought this 15-acre property and planted the vineyard. Uh, it, you know, even myself, when I think back about it, it was like in the movies. I would literally set up a playpen under a tree and I would put my daughter uh, and go work in the vineyard until, until I would hear her scream. So there was no, no, um, no buildings on the land. When I bought it, it was a cornfield. So was it just like, um, did you have any help with you with that first, mm -hmm. for those first times, like when you were out there planting the... The, the vineyard, yes. Uh, yes, I, I worked with some of the local um, farming kids oh, that yeah. wanted to, a uh, bit of extra money in the summer. Yeah. So they came and uh, graciously helped me. That's great. And did you make, um, so when you were working with Peely Island, when mm -hmm. you decided to come down here and, and buy this, did you, was that like a, you were done with Peely? Like, no. Or did you keep working? Like, how I did kept, you make it work? I had to keep working part-time. Um, it takes three years before you get a crop, and it's, uh, it's a lot of expenses at the beginning. So I kept working part-time, which was great, because then by the time that I was ready to make wine and sell wine, I sold um, my first Baco, Cab Franc, and a Riesling and the Dunes White. Those were the four wines that I made. And I sold them only to restaurants, which the restaurants had known me for, you know, 10 years. And they had, they were kind of all part of this adventure. Their salesperson now had bought land and she was planting this vineyard. So I had exit for my product right away. Uh, and people locally would, so customers would go out to the restaurant and enjoy our bo a bottle of our wines, and then they'd find me. And, but I had no sign, no nothing. At the, and uh, they'd be knocking at my back door on a Sunday morning saying, like, you make Baco Noir. And, you know, a baby on the hips, the mess behind me. I thought, oh, my God, I better build a store. So, so they would probably just locals. Where, where's yeah. that lady that makes the Baco Noir? That's right. That's right. So the people would say, you know, the, yes. at the corner, yeah. at the grocery store, they'd say, oh, keep going until the road curves. And then she's the house in the back there. So, so that must have also been a bit, a bit of a change from you, going from you know being a seller for Peely Island to all of a sudden managing uh, staff and having having your own business. How how did you learn how to kind of uh, be a leader? And yes, that is quite a that was quite a challenge for me. Um, there's the good thing is I get to choose who I work with, so you know that's that's a real luxury. Um, and we have an amazing team. Uh, everybody's very different in age and background, and somehow uh, it's a very, very tight-knit uh, family. Oh, that's Yeah, that's it's great. great. Um, at first, I managed the way that I knew how to manage. It was more um, instructing people on what needed to be done, and, and I really didn't like it. I, I felt... Um, like I had to be somebody that I wasn't me. So one day a friend of mine told me, why do you, 
why do you not like managing people? It's great. You know, you don't have so much work to do and you get to... I said, yeah, but I don't want to be a boss. <laughs> I, he, I don't like that, that type of relationship. And uh, she looked at me and she said, well, just stop. Stop being the boss. And that kind of grew with me. And, you know, it's very nouveau. Like nowadays people uh, are all about, you know, mentoring and leadership. But that was before it was popular and you could read about it in a magazine or in a book. I just started thinking about it and saying, yeah, I, I think what, what makes me tick uh, and what makes me get up every morning and work crazy hours and with yeah. so much energy, then if I can find that in somebody else, mm -hmm. then... They're going to have a great life. They're going to enjoy working here. And they're going to be great at whatever they do because I'm putting them in a role that they want to be in. Yes. I'm not asking them to be somebody different. I'm asking them to be the best that they possibly can be yes. for themselves. So you're, you're mentoring. You've, you've really kind of switched it to, totally. to helping people accomplish what they want to accomplish. Totally. Here. It's a team. It's a very uh, flat management style so they each department works with the other department if right. they need help and they within their department they try to find uh, solutions and all all I need to say is yes that's a great idea because you've obviously spent more time thinking about this than I have so go for it try it oh that's give amazing. it a shot yeah because I imagine having employees that feel like they uh you know that they're a part of something I can, there is no way that this Sandbanks is now a big brand, right? We have 19 products listed at DLCBO. Yeah. Uh, we are the fifth supplier of VQA wine to DLCBO. We are now um, exporting to different markets, a little bit in Quebec. Uh, you know, it's a success story that nobody expected yeah. it. And I'm the last one that expected it. <laughs> so, but it, it, there is no way that we would have achieved that level of success, I believe, without having the team that we've built and the commitment from everybody that works here and fun. Mm -hmm. We cannot have a meeting without at least being like everybody laughing for, you know, four or five times, like big laughs out loud because somebody said something that is so off the wall, but allowing for that space to that ideas that are off the wall uh, can actually sometimes trigger other ideas that are a bit more viable. So who wouldn't want to work here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, you're you're because it is. It's about having being valued mm -hmm. and and being able to give something back. I mean, people, so you must have a pretty good retention of staff here. I we bet. do, we do, and it's a, it's a very dynamic. So the wine industry as a whole um, is quite dynamic. You know, the the beverage, alcohol beverage industry. There's now there's new beers, there's a new drink, you know, the flavor of the summer, we don't even know, or the, the winter. The, the, so you can change um, and invent and be creative from a, from a product style, from a marketing style, the label. Um, but the one thing I would say about Sandbanks is now we have the means to try a lot of different things and to change, and we have the distribution, but we're still small enough that just on a fling we can say, okay... Let's let's switch this brand. You know, we don't. We're tired of it. We we've, we've been looking at it. Uh, yeah, let's try something totally new, and we can do that because we're we're small enough that we don't have many layers of getting approvals and and so on. So, 
so I really, I think that's amazing that you have, you know, such a great retention rate with your staff and everybody seems to really want to be here because they're able to get value and or provide value back and share their ideas. Um, so how do you, you know, balance, um, you know, trying new ideas with people being afraid to fail and maybe afraid to take that chance? Like in your leadership style, are, are you encouraging people to try new things? Like what is it that, that you, uh, guidelines you kind of give your staff when they're coming up with all their wonderful ideas? If you're not moving forward and you're not improving, you're losing. You're losing ground. If we stay the same, we're losing ground. So it's everybody's responsibility to try to improve. Um, and to really improve, I, I believe, I'm, I've been wrong a few times. <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> but to really improve, you, you have to change your mindset, right? You have to look outside the box and how you, you have been doing things and, and how do you do that? I've been doing this for, I've been in this, you know, in this wine business since my early 20s. So chances are somebody that works with me that is in their early 20s <laughs> probably has a different view on things than I have. So I have to make sure that I allow for that space for them to feel confident enough to say, hey, I have an idea or I would like to try this. Uh, I think that everybody has good ideas. We just sometimes lack confidence to say, hey, I'm here. This is me. Yeah. yeah this is what I think. This is my idea. It's, you know, whether you're putting a painting on the wall or whether you're telling a coworker we should maybe uh, fold the napkins a different way. It's the same Thing. It's saying, this is me. Yes. Right? And we spend, I'm, I'm, we spend a part of our life saying, don't look at me, don't see me, I'm nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I spent an entire high school doing that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think many people did. <laughs> yeah. So by the time they reach Sandbanks, um, some people, on the other hand, have had a fabulous career. Um, you know, Ray's been a drummer his entire life. We're the first real job that he has because he he likes us, not because he can't get a gig in some famous theater in, in a big city around the world. He just doesn't want to travel so much anymore, and he likes the vibe here. So when you come in with your car on a busy summer day, he's the guy greeting you. Oh, wow. I know, I know. So awesome. people come from all walks of life. Uh, Tom's managed you know, a, a huge uh, sports bar. I have a, a girl that used to own a signage company, all kinds of, all kinds of people, all kinds of age. Um, John is retired. Uh, he, he's done uh, accounting. They've done all kinds, all kinds of things. And he comes and leads our tours on Saturday morning. <laughs> so why would we are richer if we can embrace everybody's idea? We are, we are that much stronger. You probably get the like. It looks like you you got the right talent, and it's probably because you are catering like you're providing something back to them. Probably. On the other hand, though, one thing that it be, we change a lot. It's a, it is a business that change and improves and grows a lot. So if you are someone that likes routine a lot and that doesn't do so well in change, then I'm not the best environment for you. But if you are somebody that has that that creative fiber. And you, uh, you like action and you like change and you, you like busyness and you like people and teamwork, then, then you're going to have a blast. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. I think 
I think maybe I would have trouble doing the other way, would just be to sit still, which is why I have to balance my own life with yoga and meditation and silent retreats and all these things that keep me grounded or, you know, nice, long, quiet walks in the in the bush, in the back fields and so on, because I have, I have a lot of get up and go, right? I, I know that, like, I can drive a lot of people crazy because just because of the amount of energy that I have. It's, it's, it's uh, so you're mindful about it, about shutting your brain off, about take, about, about, crea- about creating balance about creating in, balance. in my own life. So it kind of, if my life is, is balance, the, the, if my team, their lives are balanced, I believe that when a customer is going to walk in that door, he will feel the vibe and say, wow, this is a great place. You know, everybody working here seems to have a nice, fun day. They're busy, but everybody has a smile. And, you know, if you want to carry that all the way through, I think how when we design the labels and do the packaging and ship it to the LCBO, I, I think that that current probably goes all the way to the LCBO, all the way to the customer, to your dining room table, saying, wow, this is a great bottle of wine. I love it. You're, it's your, you're sharing it with your friends, with your family. It's you know? the experience that, all together. I think so. So that customer experience is actually coming right from the very, very beginning. Of from the working. very beginning, from the grape. Yeah. From the grape growing in, in the vineyard and, and how, how people, you know, treated those grapes, how they felt, how... Engaged, they were in the quality of their work and so on. You, you, you really have though helped put Prince Edward County on the map, right? Like we, I know we're looking, at, we were looking a while ago for a place to go for a girls' weekend kind of mm-hmm. thing. But if you don't book a place to stay well in advance, it's very hard to get it here now. So Prince Edward County still has a modest role in the whole overview of the Ontario wine industry, but I think that what it allows is people are visiting us. They're visiting us and they're having a great time. They're coming to the beach. They're eating, dining at the fabulous restaurants that we have. They stop at the uh, local fruit and vegetable markets. They're bringing, you know, pastries back home, wine back home, cheese, beer. So we're providing an experience. And we believe that as soon as you have an experience with the growers and the makers of your food, there's a click that happens there where you, you, you have a sense of belonging. It's a special place. Huh? The rolling hills and the, it's really, it's still rural Ontario, which, you know, you have the farm and the sheep and the rolling hills and the water in the distance. So we're still providing, if you come here and visit us and you live in a city, I give you about 12 hours and that's it. You disconnect. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. Oh, absolutely. We all need that. What advice do you have for people that are, you know, trying to figure out what to do in life or where, where to go or... or... Oh, that's a big question. I don't have the secret <laughs> to the ever happy uh, ending. But I grew up in, a, in an artistic household where there was um, not a lot of expectations for what we would do in the future. And when I look back at it, I think that be given being given a clean slate is sometimes the best tool because it allows for freedom and if we just think one minute we say if i you know they always say that right close your eyes and picture if you could do anything that you'd want what would you do 
Um, and I strongly believe that, especially in the generations coming, if we could somehow give them a little bit of that freedom for them to find out what makes them uh, happy and bring them joy and what they're passionate about, um, maybe that's how we could create a better world. Yes, I, I, think, that's, I think that's excellent advice. Right. So, so thank you so much for taking time with us and having us out here today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Dr. Amanda Perrieg runs Media Action, an Ottawa area organization that monitors how women are represented in the media. Through one of its programs, women are taught to write op-ed pieces so that more female voices can be included in the shaping of Canada's social fabric. Media Action President Dr. Amanda Perrieg on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.